Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. We're going to begin to talk about landing the plane on help I've fallen and I, I can't get up. We've been talking about recalibrating. We've been talking about really finding our spiritual coordinates. And this week I want to speak to you prophetically. I want to speak to you out of the book of Romans, but I want to go to Genesis to share an illustration that I believe is is very uh, prevalent to where we find ourselves today. And you know, I'm holding a bottle of water for a reason because you know, when, when you think about water, you think about life itself. You know, you can go without food a long time, even over, even over a month without any food. But you're probably not going to make it three to four days max without drinking water. I watched my mom pass away, and as she recognized that she was going, she wanted to speed up the process, and she began to refuse to take water. That's how I knew that, wow, we're, we're really at the end here and you want to help the, the process along. In the days that Jesus walked the earth, life expectancy was about 50 years. If you lived beyond 50 years, you were doing really well. Most people didn't make it. But after the death and resurrection of Jesus, people's lifespan actually began to increase. You know, today, if you die under the age of 80 or so, people kind of go, wow, you know, that individual was young. That individual was young. And, and now we're even hearing that in the future, we have people that could live up to 130 years old based on some of the advancements that were made. But you know what's really interesting? If you actually do the research, you're going to find out that one of the main reasons that people are living longer is not even because of medical advances, but because of clean drinking water because the quality of water has improved. Now, somewhere, you know, I'm holding a bottle of water. Somewhere, I guess people convinced us that water that was coming from our taps wasn't good, and so they convinced us to buy water in bottles, and then they said, oh, the containers aren't good, and they cause cancer, and all the, you know, so somewhere somewhere along the way, they, they fooled us. But water is incredibly important. You know that your body is probably what, about 90%? Is it 70? Let's get our percentage. 75. Are you medical experts? I I need a medical 75. I have a medical. I lied in the, um, all right, 75. Some of us are retaining more water than others. (laughs) Let's go with 75. I have a nurse in the Look, the two nurses are arguing. No, it's 75. No, it's 70. No, it's... We're accruing the numbers now. Is that what we're doing? All right, I have two nurses that are battling it out. We're going to go with 75. That's a lot of water. So in the natural, my friends, think about it. Water is essential to survival. But if we look at it biblically, we look at it in the spirit realm, one of the pictures that we receive of the Holy Spirit is that he is like water, fresh water, living water. Jesus said that out of your innermost beings would flow rivers of living water. 
It's interesting that we are baptized in the new life in what? In water. We are submerged. That it really speaks about the death and the resurrection of the Lord. And so this morning I want to talk to you not only about water, but I want to talk to you about redigging wells. Redigging wells. It'll make sense to you in just a moment, but I want you to understand a particular portion of scripture. I want you to go in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 and verse 12. And I wanted to give you that illustration that water is essential. My, my central truth today is this. Spiritual water is absolutely critical to our survival. And from time to time, you might have to dig for it. And I believe we're living in a day where we need to once again begin to search for fresh water. Water that will sustain us and keep us and nourish us. Here in Romans chapter 8, I want you to stand with me. We're going to go to two places. Romans chapter 8, and then I want to take you to a, the book of Genesis where I want to give you an illustration. In Romans chapter 8, it says this, Therefore, brethren and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, notice what he says, you will live. How many people want to live? Verse 14. I want you to catch this. This is, verse 14 is the word of the Lord for this. Listen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. These are the children of God. These are the daughters of God. My friends, listen. We are living in a time now where we must begin to become again spirit-led people. Somewhere we've lost this focus. Somewhere we've lost this principle. And, and a lot of things are leading us and a lot of voices are happening. But my friends, notice what Paul says to the, Roman, to the Romans. This is the acid test. For as many as are led. You notice that he didn't say, for as many as are born again. Can, can, I, can I just throw a little grenade out here? That you can be born again and not be spirit-led. Oh, somebody. Come on, somebody help me. You can be a born-again believer, but that doesn't mean that you're being led by the Spirit. And so he goes on to say, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You know, we hear God is the Creator and, and uh, the Almighty One, all these ambiguous terms. Listen. If you are in relationship with Jesus, God becomes your father. And if he's not your father, you're probably not in an intimate relationship. You're not a son and a daughter. A lot of people believe in God, but not the children of God. By the way, the devil believes in God. Even Jesus told us that. For the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. We're getting an inheritance. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now look at Genesis chapter 26 and verse 1. I want to bring you a story about a man named Isaac, the son of Abraham, father of the faith. In verse 1 it says, Then there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines in Gerar. The Philistines were always a thorn in the flesh of Israel. 
Uh, do you know where the modern day Philistines are today? Palestine. You kind of begin to figure out the news now? They're irritators. They're, they're aggravators. They're just a thorn. They're, they're a pain in the you-know-what, if I could use that term online. I don't know. Now watch in verse 2. Then the Lord appeared to him, to Isaac, and said, Don't go to Egypt. Live in the land which I tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you for you. For to you and your descendants I will give these lands, and I will perform the oath or the covenant which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give to your descendants all the lands, and in your seed. Who is the seed? Who is the seed ultimately? Christ is the seed. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments and my statutes and my laws. And so Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Father, we bless you today. We thank you. We glorify you. We pray, O oh God, that you would engraft your word into our hearts. Open our minds. Open our spirit. Lord, we receive living water right now. Father, even those that are watching online, we just declare living water water from the throne of God, that rivers would flow into dry places, into desolate places, into desert places, in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. I, I want you to get the picture of what's happening in this story, my friends. There, there was a famine in the time of Abraham, and now all of a sudden there's a secondary famine and Isaac was about to do what daddy did because Abraham went to Egypt. He got into a mess of trouble. God had to rescue him, redirect him, put him on the right path. But all of a sudden Isaac said, well, what would daddy do in this situation? Oh, I know. Daddy would go down to Egypt. And so God interrupts the plans of Isaac and says, don't go there. Don't, don't go and do what daddy did. I want you to stay where you are. I know there's a famine in the land. I, I know things are desolate. I know things are dry. But if you obey me, if you stay here, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to multiply you. Church, it says to me that there's a time to stay and there's a time to go. And the way to know that is you need to be spirit-led. You know, as God's people, we, we always want to take one way with God. We, we want to say, well, this is the way God moves all the time. This is the way that God operates all the time. But I want you to notice that to Isaac, he said, don't go to Egypt. But when it came to the life of Joseph, which we just talked about, God literally led him to Egypt to save his people. If we fast forward to the New Testament, you'll find that Jesus... His parents took him to Egypt to get him away from Herod so that he wouldn't be slaughtered as an infant. You know what it says to me? That, that we can't just take a portion of Scripture like this and say, here's what God always does. Here's the way God always operates. Here's the way God leads. No, my friends, listen. For every season, there is a word. Jesus said it this way. Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then Paul comes along and he says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word or the rhema or the living word, the word that comes to, to life in your heart. My friends, let me ask you something. What are you living on today? What word do you have? Are, are you living on a word from 1948? Or do you have some fresh word? Have you, have you heard from God? Have you put your ear to the mouth of God to say, Lord, I need to hear your word? 
Now let me be honest, in, 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 our, in our world of Pentecostalism, if you will, you know, because the crazies, quote unquote, because the crazies have taken over the spirit-led side of things, we, we look at people and go, that's what happens when the spirit leaves you? Because we have a lot of people saying, God told me and God said and God led me. And then all of a sudden we recognize it's a disaster. And so we go, hey, you know what? The Lord can't be trusted. The word of the Lord can't be trusted because crazy people have hijacked it. It doesn't even make sense. What we should be saying is, wait a minute, maybe we need to retrain people. Maybe we need to coach people. Maybe we need to pastor people to say, how did you come to this, to this, you know, to this end that the Lord spoke to you? And then what do you do when, when, when things go wrong and you think God spoke to you? That rather than throwing the baby out with the bathwater, we should say, hey, let's learn from this. Because my friends, listen, if we are going to survive, we better learn how to become spirit-led people. We better learn how to know the voice of God. And we better learn how to live off the word of the Lord. I remember when, when, when COVID hit, now I went, to, I went to seek God, and in, this has been the secret of my life, church. Listen to me, those of you that are online, that every time I have come to seasons and crucial moments in my life, and even leading others, I have always come to the Lord and said, Lord, what is your word? What is your will? What do you, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to stay? And, and, and my friends, it's not just big decisions. It's in everyday life that we should be looking for the wisdom and the leading of the Holy Spirit and that we should train ourselves to know the voice of the Lord. And so God says to Isaac, don't go to Egypt. Stay here. And my friends, I want to be careful because you know, in a crowd like this and people online, here's what you need to be discerning. Maybe you're in a season where you need to go, but maybe you're in a season where you need to stay. And so don't apply your word to someone else and say, here's what everybody ought to do. You ought to know what the Spirit of God is saying to you personally. There was a time here at All People's Church, there, there was a time of, of difficulty. There was a time of famine. There was a time when I was in ministry, I was not the lead pastor. And people were saying to me, people were saying to me, you should go. You should go. You should, you should start your own church. I'm in, I'm in the corporate world. I'm working in the corporate world, but I'm, I'm, I'm working for ministry. And they're telling me, go start your own church. There's a calling on your life. Go, go, go start a, a work somewhere. Get, get going. Why don't you leave here? Because, you know, you, you're more gifted. You have more ability. You have more anointing than the current pastor. You should go. You should go. Well-meaning people. But the Lord would say to me, you stay. And what the Lord said to me is, if you go... I'll judge you for going and I'll judge you for everybody that loses their way and leaves with you. How would you like that word from the Lord? That while, I, while people are saying to me, go, the Lord is saying to me, stay. And I said, stay and do what, Lord? Here's exactly what it said to me. He said, I want you to stay and I want you to die. Die. You don't, even, you don't even know this. You don't even know what cruel pastors are, my friends. Listen, you know, you know one time in our church, the pastor, you know what his punishment was? Because nobody in those days wanted to sit in the front rows. The elders all used to come and sit. You know, the elders would be here, the worship team. It wasn't as big as the worship team, but they would all sit in the front. 
And all of a sudden, they took me from sitting in the front and they sat me right there. They sat me right there. There were pews there to punish me, to humiliate me, to show the people he's done something wrong and so that speculation and talk would happen. Make you feel good to be in the house of God? And you go to God and say, why is this happening to me? And, and, and why, why, why am I doing this? And I, I don't need this. And the Lord would just say to me, Die. Just die. Let them kill your flesh. Let them, let them crucify you. I had another scenario. I don't even know why I'm telling you this. I had another scenario where a relative, an aunt, I'm just going to publicly say this, an aunt of, of Pastor Carolyn's wrote a letter, wrote a letter about me, sent it to all the leadership and all the elders all over the church, how, how evil I was and ambitious I was and, and how wicked I was. I kept the letter a long time. Listen, I don't know why. I'm, this is for somebody. Church, I kept that letter for a very long time. And every once in a while, I'd pull out the letter and I'd begin to respond. And every time I would respond, all the, all the anger, all the hurt, all the bitterness, it, it got to be so bad, I would put the letter away. You know, I'd file the, I'd file the digital copy and then I'd come back. And then one day, I could still see it. I, I, I remember where I was living. I'm at my, I could see the desk. I could see the, and the Lord speaks to me and he says, why are you still holding on to that letter. You know what I said to the Lord? I said, Lord, this is my defense. This is my evidence. I, I need to respond. And the Lord spoke to me and he said to me, son, I'm your defense. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, rip up the letter. Burn it. Get rid of it. Get, get that toxin out of your life. I said, Lord, I won't have evidence. I won't have, I won't have the truth. He said, it doesn't matter. Throw it out. Throw it out and, and, and get yourself delivered from all this stuff that's in your life. He said to me, get rid of it. And that's exactly what I did. And then the file, there was a digital file. He said, delete that. Delete that. He said, you're not going to respond. I never responded. I never defended myself. I couldn't defend myself. God said to me, just let it go. Just allow me to, to allow it to happen. And my friends, listen, that's why you have a pastor today. Somebody ought to give praise for that. God said, there's a famine in the land. I want you to stay in the midst of trouble, in the midst of desperation, in the midst of dryness, God said to him, stay here, stay here. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. But God, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, Lord. I, I don't understand. Why would I stay here? How, would I, how will I survive? God said, I'm going to do something supernatural. I'm going I'm to lead you by the Spirit. Obey me. My friends, listen, if God is talking to you, if you're really hearing the Spirit of God, obey the voice of the Lord. I know it's counterintuitive. I know it doesn't make sense. I was saying to Pastor Moses, and you know, we had a, we had a board meeting yesterday. I, I remember when COVID started. When COVID started and everybody was, was you know, shut down and, 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 and lay people off and cut things off and, you know, we're not going to survive. I heard the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord said, invest, spend money. Remember those days in October? Oh, sorry, in, in like April and March, 
I had to go to the board and said, guess what? While everybody's bunkering down, we're going to invest. We're going we're to spend money. We're going to upgrade our equipment so that if they lock us down, people can watch us and we can deliver a godly experience to the people of God so that they will not, what? Receive famine, but they will be refreshed in their spirit in their home. Some of the people that hid in that season no longer exist. Ministries that have shut down. People that have lost their property. People that are, that are no longer functioning as a ministry. But my friends, because we believe the word of the Lord and we said, here's what God has said. We're here today because of God's faithfulness. People left. People lost jobs. I would hear the taunting of the enemy. I'm going to bury you. I'm going to shut down your ministry. I'm going to close the chair. I'm all this taunting that would go on. But you know, the word of the Lord came to me and the Lord said to me, work, be strong because I'm with you. I can't tell you how many circles of, of prayer Mayfield up, up around the, the boundaries of my house, up Kennedy. How many times I circled in prayer that, that property praying in the, in the middle of, of the, those cold March days. You know, you got your coat on, your gloves, and you're, you're just seeking God. You're just praying. You say, Lord, give me a vision. Lord, give me faith. Lord, give me the word. And all I would hear is be strong and work because I'm with you. Be strong and work because I'm with you. In those days, because of the word of the Lord, we, we put together all the COVID, you know, protocols. And because of that, people were so behind. And, you know, they asked me to come onto this ministry. I spoke to a thousand pastors. Because listen to what the Lord had said to me. The Lord said to me, prepare for at least two years. Now, this is when they were telling you 14 days and we're going to flatten the curve. The Lord said to me, two years. I said, Lord, didn't you watch CBC? They said 14 days. Like, are, are you not watching, you know? So like an idiot, I go online. And I said, listen, you need to prepare for at least two years. And I could see the faces on Zoom. They're like, what kind of prophetic voice? This guy's 14 days, bro. It's going to be over. You're like out of your tree. And two years later, some of those people are not in ministry. Because they don't love Jesus? No, because they wouldn't heed to the word of the Lord. And so Isaac had to obey. But something happens in his obedience. I want you to look, my friends, uh, at verse 15. Now the Philistines had what? They stopped up the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they filled them with dirt. Do you know that Abraham dug seven wells? One of them actually shows up in the New Testament. John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Remember what she said? She said, are you greater than our father Abraham? Don't you know that Abraham, Abraham built this well? He dug this well? And Jesus said, whoever drinks of this water is going to die. But whoever drinks of the water I give is going to live forever. You should be asking me for water. Then she said, you have no bucket. Let me tell you something, my friends. In God's water, you don't need a bucket. You just need faith and trust. So the Bible says they, they plugged up the wells. I've got some pictures here. Can we put those pictures up? The Philistines plugged up the wells. Why were wells important? Because life and sustainability was based on these wells. 
And what the people would do is they would dig below the water line. Once they hit the water, you'll notice they would use either bricks or clay and, and, and they would, you know, treat the sides of the wall so that you wouldn't have dirt crashing into the water. And then they would put like a little, um, a, a little lid on the water so that nothing, an animal wouldn't get in there and die. And so the water remained fresh and they could sustain their crops and their animals and, and obviously the people. So wherever there was water, there was life. So you don't think about water today because you go to the market and you buy a case of water or you turn on the tap or a fridge. You know, your fridge spits out water, right? You know, you and I, we don't think about water because it's ready available. But for these people, if there was no water, they couldn't stay. Do you remember the people of Israel when they got to Mira? What did they complain about? They said, the waters are bitter. And so the enemy at times would poison the wells. But in this case, they began to plug the well so that Isaac would move on so they couldn't stay there. Irritating them, aggravating them, causing them to move on. Now remember, the wells belonged to his father Abraham. But the Philistines came along. And ask you a question, church. What about your well? Is there dirt in your well? Have the Philistines come along and have they plugged the places of, of life and nourishment? The, the, the places where you were literally surviving spiritually and now when you go there, it's just full of dirt. You know, sometimes we, I was thinking about this, sometimes, you know, in our generation, if it's new, it must be good, it must be great. And, and if it's old, you know, out with the old and in with the new. But, you know, my friends, listen, there was a generation before us that had things in God that we have lost. People that knew how to pray, people that knew how to break through, people that knew how to get a hold of God, people that knew how to move the hand of God. And, and we look at that generation and we say, well, you know, they had this fault and, and, and then they had this shortcoming. And yeah, yeah, they, like we, they had shortcomings. But my friends, I'm telling you, they had something in God. They had something in Pentecostalism. They had something in the roots of the Holy Spirit that we are lacking today. You know, I'm told all the time, I'm online. You know, you can't, you know, you can't do that in the 11 o'clock service, Pastor. Maybe you can do it at the 9 o'clock, but you know, you're going to look like a crazy person in the 11 o'clock. That, that's just not going to fly. People aren't going to understand that. You know, you're going to freak people out if the Holy Ghost begins to move. But you can go to horror movies. You can go to blood and guts and vampires and dragons and all this, all this hocus pocus, superstition, mysterious stuff, parallel worlds and, and all the rest of it. And that's okay. But the moment the Holy Ghost does something, people freak out. We ought to come back to the days. I'm starting to sound like Prophet Ted. We ought to come back to the days when we go to church and we go, what was that? Things that we can't explain. Things that, things that we make us wonder and say, what in the world happened? But watch this. Unless our services are so predictable, you're not happy. You're uncomfortable. Somebody, oh, pastor, you know what? Someone was in my spot and somebody sat in my chair and I don't know, you know, Pastor Moses didn't have his mask on and I felt like I was going to die. And, and, and oh, Come on, somebody. Isaac had to obey. So you know what he does? He begins to dig. Listen, listen. 
Now before that happens, Abimelech says to us, go away from us in verse 16, for you are much mightier than we are. So now they're saying, go away. You're too strong. Go away. And so Isaac departed from there and he pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and he dwelt there. And then Isaac again dug the wells of water and they had dug in the days of Abraham his father for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham and he called them by their names which his father had called them. And so Isaac his servants dug in the valley and they found a well running with water there but the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled. They fought with Isaac saying, the water is ours and so he called the name of that well Essek. You know what it really means? It means the, the well of quarreling. They argued. They, they said, no, no, no. This is our well. You ever been there, church? You're, you're digging. You're, you're working away. You're doing your best. And then somebody comes along and they steal your idea. They, they, they steal your ministry. They, they, they steal the thing that you worked so hard for. And you're like, that, that, I dug that well. That, that well belongs to me. I have inheritance here. And they, 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 they took my well. But you know what Isaac does? Isaac doesn't fight. He moves on. He moves on. And so he moves on. He says, then he dug another well. And they quarreled over that one also. And he called its name Sitna, which means hostility. They went from arguing to now being absolutely hostile. These are your father's wells. You're redigging them. The Philistines have clogged them. And then all of a sudden, when you find water, they go, hey, that belongs to me. Hey, that's mine. Maybe some of you have lost inheritance that way. Some of you have lost wealth and family, even, even rights and privileges. And people have taken things away from you saying, hey, hey, I know you found it. I know you dug it. I know it really belongs to you, but that's mine. They're quarreling. They're hostile. You know what Isaac does? He moves on, puts on his gloves, picks up the shovel, puts on the hard hat. The things I do, people, to get my message across to you is phenomenal. <laughs> Honestly, I will do whatever it takes to bring the truth of God's word to you. So he moved from there and he dug another well and they did not quarrel of it. Watch this. So he called his name Rehoboth because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Isn't that your cry? Lord, make room for me. Lord, enlarge my territory. Lord, Lord, cause me to be fruitful. Cause my life to be fruitful. Cause my life to flourish. But my friends, listen, you cannot flourish without living water. Living water is what sustains you. Living water is what brings you into prosperity. Living water is what brings you into the blessing. This is why we need to be spirit-led. Digging is hard work. Personally, I'm, I'm not made to dig. <laughs> my, my family, they were, they were diggers and planters and grew gardens and I don't know. I wanted to go out and play hockey. My grandfather would make me hold the holes and they tried to teach me. And, I, you know, I just, it, it, was not, it was not my gift. And let me, let me confess, my, some of my downfalls, even, even this season, Somebody in the church had given these beautiful flat stones to Pastor Carolyn to create this like pathway and walkway. And uh, she, she got this gazebo 
uh, you know, right by, the, right by the deck, and she said to me, she says, you know, I really would like to build this little path with gravel, and she goes, I got a vision. She goes, I want to put it over here, and so I said to her, hey, listen, I said, I, I, what I want to do is I want to take the grass then from here, and I'm going to transplant it to the back of the uh, of the yard where uh, there was some roots and things that I had pulled up. And, and so I said, just, just give me a little while because I'm going to pull the grass and I'm going to put it at the, back of the, at the guard, uh, of the back of the property. The problem is that the people that own the property before us, for some reason, they had these, 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 uh, these spikes, two, three feet, you know, like an inch thick spikes that they put into the ground and they're buried in the ground. They, they come up about, they come up about a foot off the ground, but they're, they're buried in there, in there deeply. And, and I actually was able to get one out. I thought I was going to die, but I was actually able, I was actually able to get one out. And then I looked and I thought, there's like nine more of these things. Needless to say, the grass is still there and the pathway is not. <laughs> and these spikes, they talk to me. I mean, I, I, I even went on YouTube and I'm like, okay, there's, there has got to be an easy way to get these suckers out of the ground. And there's not. Higher labor, yeah. That's, don't they have people for stuff like this, right? You know, and so... And so they talk to me every time I look out there and the stones are still piled up. And, you know, when I get home today, I'm going to hear from Pastor Carolyn. And, 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 and watch this. So I thought, what is the easy way? Because before the snow comes, I got to get that pathway done, right? So I thought, I know what I'll do. Because that's a lot of labor. I'm going to take a hammer and I'm going to drive those spikes into the ground. And they'll be gone. They won't be gone. Because when the frost comes, aren't we like that as God's people? Rather than say, it's going to take work and we're going to have to dig and, 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 and I'm going to have to use some labor and, and I'm going to have to pull these spikes out. What we would rather do is hammer them into the ground so at least for one season I don't have to think about it. I want you to notice something. The word of the Lord came from God, but who had to do the digging? Who? Isaac. Are you with me? Are you guys thinking of Swiss Chalet? Come on. Isaac had to do the digging. Isaac had to do the, the hard labor. My friends, I want to ask you the question. Are, 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 you just, are you just trying to drive spikes into the ground? Or are you trying to redig the wells? Aizen, I want you to come up here with your bottle of water. I want to give you an illustration. Everybody give Aizen a hand. All right, that's your bottle of water? All right, I want you to take a drink of it. Yeah, that's good. Come on, encourage him, encourage him. Yeah, woo! All right, all right, well done. Okay, so, thank you. This is holy dirt. This came from the property, all right? I might, even have a, I might even have a worm in here, I hope. All right, can I have your lid? This is your water bottle, right? Not anymore. 
Yeah. So I want you to drink it now. <laughs> Why won't you drink it? But you know what the truth is? A lot of God's people are drinking this exact thing. Thank you. Give him a hand. Give Aizen a hand. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this up here because I, I, I have another illustration. So here's my points. Here are my points for today. Number one, my friends, listen. Faith ignites when you receive the word of the Lord. When you hear God, when you hear that, that fresh rhema, when you hear that fresh word, faith begins to ignite. You know, when, when the pandemic hit, I had no chapter, no book, no page. I couldn't call anybody. You know what I did? I began to call on the name of the Lord. And when the Lord spoke to me and the Lord said, trust me, sow in the land, invest, grow, spend, don't worry, I'm with you. Even as a board, I've got two board members right here. We met yesterday and we looked at places where finances and wealth dried up and people moved away and, and we thought, how are we going to make it? But you know what? God opened other wells. God, God opened other people. Other, other sources came and yesterday we're in this business meeting and we're like, we can't figure out how God did this, but God is doing it. Number two, my friends, sow in the land of your promise. Sow in the place that God has given you. Sow in the place of your inheritance. Sow in the place that God has shown you is the word of the Lord. I, I, I've shared with you before, some of you are brand new. The people that, that bought this land, Carolyn's grandfather was one of the forefathers of our, of our church. They had to put, listen to the, in 1968, you know what they paid for the land? What they paid for the land, usually in one week, we receive in revenue. One week. But in those days, they had to put up their houses and they had to mortgage houses and, 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 and you know, say, make promises that we're going we're gonna to pay it back. At a time when, when all this was fields, there was no Tim Hortons, McDonald's, all the houses you see. The people that lived in Toronto were like, no one's going to no live north of Steeles. There's no life up there. Look at it today. We're beyond Steeles. We're beyond Mayfield going up onto, uh, you know, even into Caledon and, and, and further on. Why? Because they sowed in the land of their promise. My grandfather, Carolyn's grandfather, picked up the entire congregation in his station wagon, would bring them to church. They would worship. He would bring them home every week. You're not coming home with me. I just don't have, you know what I mean? I, I don't have room for you in my car, you understand? But think about that. And I remember, you know, Carolyn's grandmother would say to him, Walt, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to prove? You, what, 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 you know, what, what is this all about? Every week we're doing this. And you know what he would say? He would say, God has a vision for this place. God has a vision for this land. God is going to do something in the future. He dug wells. And sometimes, can I help you, my friends? Sometimes God will ask you to dig wells for other people. See, we always, we always want to dig our own wells. But what about if God asks you to, hey, dig wells for somebody else until I give you your own land and then you can have people that dig wells for you. I have people that dig wells for me all the time. I try to give people all the credit in the world. 
I don't like to steal people's ideas. I don't like to, I, I don't like to promote myself. But as the leader, many times, listen, many times it falls upon you. But as much as I can, I want to actually put our people forward. If you've been on Facebook, we did this whole photo shoot with Wendy's that gave us the money. You will notice your pastor is not in the pictures. I said to our people that work on it day in and day out, I said, you guys go. You guys go take pictures. Want to promote you online that you're the workers because you know what? I don't need the glory. I don't need the fame. All I want is for God to be glorified and we're going to feed the poor. We've got to get over ourselves a little bit. And we need to understand that at times God is saying, dig somebody else as well. When I worked in the corporate world, let me tell you, church, I worked my guts out for those people. Do you know why? I wasn't working. This is for somebody. I wasn't working for them. I was working for the Lord. Even when it looked like I was working for Pharaoh, I knew who my boss was. I never worked like I worked for those people. I worked like God. Everything I do, everything I do will glorify you. And listen, when they wanted to get rid of me, listen, when the word of the Lord came to me, they wanted to get rid of me. You know what I did? I worked harder. I worked better. I, I remember working on this thing in cosmetics, this project. It went all the way up to the CEO. Do you know what he said? He said, this work is overdone. Can you imagine getting in trouble for overachieving? That's when you know you're in trouble, right? Like you're like, okay, nothing's going to work here. But you know what I said? I said, Lord, they may dismiss me, but I will not allow them to bring a reproach upon you. I remember, I, man, some stories. Are, are we doing okay? Some of you are in real estate. I've been in some Christians' people's homes that are moving from one house to another. And I have watched the state that they have left the house in. And I said to them, wow, you know, like, there's dirt and there's, you know what they said to me? God's people. It's not our house anymore. Let them deal with it. Wow, your God is going to look really good then, eh? When we left our, our, our home in Toronto, we, we left them a basket. We left them a bottle of wine. The house was probably cleaner when we left than when we lived there. I looked around. I said to Pastor Carol, I said, honey, you, we've never cleaned the house like this. Because we didn't want to what? Reproach the name of the Lord. Two more and I'm done. Number three, come, come on up, Corey. Number three, listen to this. My friends, listen, you got to catch this. There's a time to fight and there's a time to dig. Isaac was strong. The king of, of the Philistines said, get away from us. You're intimidating us. You're too strong. And, and watch this. Isaac could have taken those wells by force. I'll fight you for them. But rather, he said, I'm going to go dig. I've been called to dig. I've been called to look for fresh water. Sometimes I think we're not receiving fresh water because rather than digging, we're busy fighting. And the enemy can distract you. The enemy can keep you in warfare and fighting all the time. And listen, I know some of you, I'm looking at some of you right now, that, that I know you've passed this test, that rather than fight, you said, I'm just going to dig. Let God fight for me. 
Now, I'm not saying that there aren't times to fight. There aren't times. Here again, you got to be spirit-led, right? But my friends, listen, a lot of times I think we should be digging, but we're really fighting. You say, how do I know the difference, Pastor? You have to know it in the spirit. You have to be spirit-led. Because if you will dig rather than fight, what you're going to find is you're going to find that living water and God's going to bless you. And then this is my fourth point, and we'll close with this. God's blessings always chase those that are spirit-led. You want fruit? You want God to back you up? You want God to do things in your life? You want God to demonstrate who he is? Be spirit-led. Eventually, the king of Abimelech comes back and he says, I've seen what God has done in your life. He said, let's make an oath. Isaac said, why have you, why have you come here? You told me to go away and now you're, you're coming to me. My friends, I believe we're coming into a season where some of the people that have despised you, cut you off, written you off, sued you. I could go on and on and on. are going to come back. And they're going to say, we see what God has done. You know why? You didn't quarrel. You weren't hostile. You didn't fight. You just dug wells. Pastor, they're yelling at me. Pastor, they're threatening me. Pastor, they're saying I'm insane. They're going to do this. Dig wells. I want you to stand with me. I want to close with this. Verse 24. And the Lord appeared to him, to Isaac, the same night. Now remember the Lord told him, stay in the land. Now the Lord appears to him. He says, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. And so he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. And then he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. And they called that well an oath. He made an oath with God. After God had made room for him. But you know what I find phenomenal? Do you know what the real blessing is, church? It's not, it's not cattle and cars and stuff. You know what the real blessing was? God said, let me tell you who I am. Let me, let me, let me introduce myself to you. I am the God of your father Abraham. Let, let, me, let me open your eyes. Let me give you revelation. He said, I want you to know who I am. He said, I want you to know I'm with you. I'm with you. My presence is with you. My blessing is with you and on you. And that wherever you find yourself, mountains, pits, digging, fighting with Philistines, having dirt thrown in your face, I want you to know God says, I'm with you. Whoever has cut you off, whoever's bad-mouthing you, whoever's talking dirt, whoever's throwing dirt at you right now, God is saying, I'm with you. Follow my spirit. I just hear the Lord saying, listen, listen to me. Come on up, worship team, you're okay. I hear the Lord saying to some of you, I am your defense.
I left the corporate world, I, I, I'll never forget, I was about to press that button to go on the elevator down into the privileged parking. I heard the voice of the Lord because I said, Lord, it can't, can't finish like this. The Lord said to me, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Make room for the Lord. Make room for some of his vengeance. Don't, don't, don't get into every fight. Don't get into every battle. Don't just be spirit-led that my friends, listen, God is saying to some of you today, even in line, I am your defense. Trust God. Trust his character. God loves to fight for his people. I did this in the morning service and I thought it was hilarious. I'm going to do it again because I love Ranjeev. And this time you're not going to take it off. Because Pastor Moses. And then, because husband and wife should work together. Woo! Because before the fall, both worked for God together. Don't they make a beautiful couple? Somebody ought to take a picture. Come on. <laughs> They're beautiful people. Don't they look good? Selfie time. Come on. Somebody please. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to look foolish for the Lord. Isn't that what Paul said? Lord, I'll be your fool. I'll be your prisoner. I'll, it doesn't matter. I just want to know you. 